want to thank our worship leaders who are up here this morning. Uh, Neil and Mary are the newest residents of Taylorville, Illinois, so we are thankful that they got moved into their house here in Taylorville. And of course, Neil started with us in August, and Mary's been teaching third grade over in the school now. So we're just blessed to have them and thankful for Neil's ministry at the church. Also, I want to let you know one other thing that's a praise. We've been talking about our Harvest of Love offering over the past few weeks, sort of a special offering. And our goal was $20,000. I want to let you know that we have exceeded that goal. I think there's even a little more that hasn't been counted yet. So thankful to God for his at work among us and thankful to you for your generosity and giving. So that's a great success. And we are moving into the Christmas season, and for lots of us, that means starting to play Christmas music in the car and in the house, and maybe you like the classic stuff, and so you've got Bing Crosby singing White Christmas, or Ella Fitzgerald wishing you a swinging Christmas, or maybe you like the classics and you're really into the Boston Pops and all their stuff, or maybe all you want for Christmas is Mariah Carey this year, but... For me and my house, it begins and ends with these guys in this video. All right, you chipmunks, ready to sing your song? Oh, baby, I? Yeah. Let's sing it now. Okay, Simon? Okay. Okay, Theodore? Okay. Okay, Alvin? Chipmunks sing, We Can Hardly Stand the Weight. And that really is where we're getting our title for our Christmas series this year because that weight is really hard. Some of you have kids or grandkids that are beginning to see presents appear under the tree and they're sort of staring into them, hoping that they can figure out what's in those boxes just by looking. And, and they're thinking, man, Christmas Eve is three weeks from today. How are we possibly going to wait that long? And those of us who are adults are thinking Christmas Eve is only three weeks from today, and how are we going to get it all done with the work stuff, church stuff, family stuff, friends stuff, all that in just three weeks? But this is a season of waiting. And actually, this, this season that we enter today, historically in the church, has been called Advent. And Advent simply means the arrival. And so we're sort of preparing our hearts and minds for the arrival of Jesus, for his birth. Now, this Advent season has really been taken over by the culture, and you can buy Advent calendars that mark from December 1st to the 25th. You can have your favorite chocolate or coffee or dog treat or cat treat, whatever it is, there's an Advent calendar for everything. But, but it really begins today and runs through Christmas Eve morning, and it's all about thinking about how we prepare ourselves for Jesus' birth. Now, there's also a, a parallel theme that runs there. Because this is about waiting, and it's about preparation for the arrival of Jesus. So we know that we look back and there were people waiting on Jesus, waiting on the Messiah in the first century, right? 
The, the prophecy had, had all that that said the Messiah is coming to save the people of Israel. And there were people looking forward to that and had been for hundreds of years. And so even in the temple, there are people who had been told, hey, you're going to see the Messiah before you die. They're waiting on Jesus. But, but we are in a period of waiting as well. Because we're thinking about the return of Jesus, the arrival of Jesus the second time. And in Advent, they sort of run side by side, this preparation for what happens at the end of the month, but also a preparation for the return of Jesus, both of them an Advent of Christ. And so we're going to sort of run back and forth <clears throat> between those two themes as we go through this Christmas season. Now, what we know is that waiting can be a challenge. Most of us don't like to wait. We live in a culture in which we don't want to wait for anything. We love to stream uh, shows and movies on our devices and our TVs because we can decide what we want to watch tonight and then turn it on. It's that easy. We didn't used to be able to do that. And so we like that. We like next day shipping, two day shipping because we don't want to wait on our stuff to get here. But, but waiting is actually a little more complex than that, isn't it? It's a little more difficult because when it's more than just I want to get what I want and I want it now, when it's a season of not just waiting, but a season maybe of uncertainty, a season of fear, and waiting can involve both those. If you've ever had to wait on a prospective employer to call you back or to email you, you know that unknown, that sense of uncertainty that you just don't know if you're going to hear from them. And if you do, what are they going to say? If you've ever been waiting on a call from a doctor's office for a diagnosis and a prognosis and a treatment plan, you know that waiting involves uncertainty. When will they call and what will they say? And maybe they're going to say something I really don't want to hear. Or maybe you're waiting on a grade or an acceptance letter or any number of things that life can give us that involve a lot of uncertainty which can bring fear in our lives. And so waiting sometimes can be really difficult and it can feel a little bit like it's a time of being frozen, right? Because I need more information to know what's next. I need more information to do the next thing, but I don't have it yet, so I'm just waiting. <clears throat> and I don't know What's next? Maybe you know what that feels like. And in many ways, all of us do. Because certainly, yes, the prophets had talked about the Messiah coming and people were waiting on Jesus' return. But on the other hand, after Jesus' death and burial and resurrection and ascension, his promise to return was there. And so the early Christians were thinking, okay, what, what do we do next? And when is it that Jesus is going to return? And so we see in the New Testament, some of those New Testament writers grappling with that issue. What does this time of waiting look like? And what do we do in this time of waiting? Are we just sort of frozen, just, just sort of sitting back, hoping that something happens? Or is there something more going on? And certainly I think there is more going on. If we look at the letters of the New Testament, several times they allude to this time of waiting. And we're going to look at various passages through the New Testament to think about that over the next four Sundays. Today, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, Paul had, a, at the, to say the very least, a complicated relationship with the church in Corinth. There are a number of problems going on in that church and sort of between Paul and them. 
And so he writes the first letter. And then we have the second letter to the Corinthians. There's an allusion to another letter that we don't have now. But, but Paul has to really be clear and direct and in some ways tough on this church in Corinth. And so he opens the letter preparing them for that. But, but what I notice in 1 Corinthians 1 is that even though Paul is really struggling with these Christians, I mean, they are giving him all kinds of problems, he still wants to express thanksgiving. And he's going to talk about this time of waiting and how they handle that waiting. And I think as we hear what he says to them, there are some lessons for us to learn as we begin this Advent season, this waiting season, thinking about preparing our hearts for Jesus' birth, but also this time of waiting as we prepare ourselves for Jesus' return. So Paul opens with this thanksgiving in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. He says, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. So Paul says, I'm thanking God all the time because of you, because I've seen the grace of Jesus at work in you. Now that, that word grace is used in a lot of different ways. At the heart, it means something like gift. So we'll see in 1 Corinthians, if you study through that, that there are gifts involved. It involves forgiveness that we receive, okay? And a lot of times that's what we mean by grace, to show someone grace is maybe to show patience and forgiveness. But God has given them some other gifts. And that really is the heart of the problem that Paul has with this church. But he's saying from the outset, I'm thankful that God has given you his grace. And Paul was the one who taught them that. So he was excited to see that grace growing in them. Now, verse, verse 5. For in him, for in Jesus, you have been enriched in every way. With all kinds of knowledge, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ in you. Now, one of the things we notice in just this first nine verses in the book of 1 Corinthians is how many times Paul refers to Jesus. You know, if you're in the midst of a conversation with someone, you're going to soon find out what's important to them. Because oftentimes the same people or the same topics or the same event keeps popping up in the conversation. You can figure out, okay, this person has become really important in this person's life. This event is something that they're really anticipating. This accomplishment meant a lot to them. If you read through the first chapter of 1 Corinthians, what you find out is what's really important to Paul is Jesus. Because, because this whole thing is not just about church. It's not just about theology. It's about Jesus. And so over and over, Paul brings these Corinthians back to Jesus. Why? Because they're in the midst of all kinds of struggle. And they've lost their focus on what matters. So the first thing for Paul to do is to bring them back to Jesus and a focus on Jesus. Then he can deal with all the problems that are taking place. So we see that going on. But we also see that Paul is saying that they have been enriched. God's grace has enriched them with two things, speech and knowledge. Now here's what's interesting. The two things that were causing the most trouble in the church in Corinth were their speech and their knowledge. What do I mean? Well, they had been given gifts, okay? Spiritual gifts to use in the ministry of the church. Miraculous gifts. And some of the people in the church in Corinth were able to speak in languages that they didn't know. 
Maybe some human languages, maybe some languages that were sort of heavenly languages. And God used those to communicate with the church. Other people in the church in Corinth had been given the gift of speech, of prophecy, okay? They had knowledge of a message from God that they then spoke to the church. Here was the problem. These people who had these sort of miraculous gifts got it in their heads that since we have been given these gifts, we must be the most important people in the church. God has chosen us because we are special. Maybe even God has chosen us because those of us who have these gifts are the real Christians and we're not so sure about everybody else. Maybe if you don't experience these miraculous gifts, maybe you're not a Christian at all. And Paul had a big problem with all of this thinking. Because for Paul, this was about God showing grace to all his people and using certain people and investing in them and enriching them with these gifts to deliver a message to the church. And they're missing the whole point. Instead of hearing the message from God, what they're looking at is, how does this make me important? They've missed the point. Because if you look through Paul's writing, what he says over and over again is that we are all on equal standing before God. Every single one of us is a sinner. Every single one of us stands guilty before God. Every single one of us deserves death. And we are brought back to God only through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, putting our faith in Him. Only those things bring us to God. And we are all equal in that. None of us are special. We are all standing before God on level ground. There's their problem. But in this verse, what does Paul give thanks for? Their speech and their knowledge. Because you see, these were gifts from God. They were just misusing them. What else does he say? Look down at verse 7. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. That word revealed is the same word that we get the, the title for the last book in the Bible, Revelation. Okay, And it's all about Jesus is going to be unveiled, revealed. We're going to see him again. And the picture is not that Jesus is a long way away and he's sort of making his way here. It's more he's standing at the door and all he's got to do is open it. And then he'll be here. And we don't know when that's going to happen. It's been 2,000 years. And some people might say, well, that's... That was a long time to wait, didn't it? Are you sure? The truth is our God stands above and outside time. We are so bound by time, we cannot imagine life without thinking about past, present, and future. But God stands above that. And so maybe it's going to be 2,000 years. Maybe it's going to be 10,000 years. Maybe it's going to be today. We don't know the answer to that question. But what we know is that just like the Christians in Corinth, we are in a time of waiting. And in this time of waiting, God has equipped his church with gifts for ministry. And we see in the New Testament lists of gifts, some of those are miraculous. I've never experienced that. That's not been what I've seen. 
But we also see other gifts, things like leadership and teaching and serving and proclaiming, things that are at work in the church all over today. And what we know is that God is at work today giving us something to do because this time of waiting is not a time of being idle. It is a time of doing something that God has called us to do. So as we wait for Jesus to be unveiled, for him to return, for him to arrive, we're preparing ourselves by allowing God to be at work in us. Verse 8. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, one of the things we have to remember here is that Paul is not writing to just a random group of Christians who ever happened to pick up this letter and read it. And sometimes in the 21st century, we all have access to a Bible, many people do, around the world, right? Almost everyone through the internet. And you can just pick it up and just read it by yourself. But Paul is not writing just to a random group of Christians. He's writing to the church in Corinth, to a specific group of people who were connected to one another. And so when he says you've been gifted with gifts, he's talking to the church and he's saying, listen, you as a church have been, have been gifted to do something. And then he says, God is working in you to keep you firm, not just as individuals, but as the church, to keep the church firm until the day of our Lord, which is the time Jesus returns. And he says he's calling you into fellowship. That word that could be translated something like community if you wanted to, or even just relationship. So God is calling not just us as individuals, though that's true, but us as the church into a relationship with each other and with him. And all this is going on as we wait. So what's the message here? The message to me is clear that God works in our waiting. That yes, this is a time of waiting. This season where we're preparing for Jesus' birth is also a time when we're reminded that Jesus will return and that we are in this time of waiting. We don't know how long it's going to last, but as a community, we are waiting for the return of Jesus. Do we know when that's going to be? No. And there's all kinds of speculation out there, and mostly I ignore all that. Because the Scripture tells us that even Jesus doesn't know the day or the hour that He's going to return. God's just going to tell Him. So I'm not worried about the timing. What I am worried about is us, as the church, waiting in the way that God has called us to. So how do we respond to this God who is at work even when we're waiting. Well, the first thing I think we do is use God's gifts for ministry. God has gifted each one of us. Now, it's not that God has just gifted people who are on staff in the church. It's not that God has just gifted the elders of the church or the people that work in kids' ministry or student ministry. God has gifted the church, us, so that we can do ministry. And he has called us to use those gifts. There is something that you can do. 
Now again, sometimes it's upfront things like teaching and preaching. Sometimes it's things that are in the back that are serving and leading in quiet ways. There are gifts that God has given each one of us and we are called to use those gifts in His service in this time of waiting because there are people who don't know Jesus. I mean, there are people in our community whose lives are... I mean, they're just a wreck. Or people in our community who are not necessarily a wreck, but recognize that there is something more out there. And just like Paul, our refrain should be over and over, it's Jesus. That Jesus has opened up a relationship with our Creator. It's only through Him. And so we are called to use those gifts to communicate who Jesus is to each other as a community, and to the world around us. Use the gifts we've been given. And then second, we're called to depend on the strength of God. God gives you strength, okay? This time of waiting, just like all waiting, is not easy. Life can sometimes be really difficult. In fact, we look in our world around us and we see things and go, man, this is messed up. We see people suffering in all kinds of ways. We see war and we see people suffering because of that war. We see sickness that really bothers us. All these things that are out there and we sometimes wonder, okay, God, hey, you've got a plan, but why don't you just, why don't you just do this thing? Why don't we just bring this to a close and allow us to spend eternity praising you? Why don't you send Jesus back? Well, sometimes that makes sense to us, but apparently that's not God's plan. Not yet. And so in this waiting, in this waiting, we have to depend on strength outside of ourselves as individuals and as the church. And so when the waiting gets difficult, we're called to, to ask God to stand alongside us, to support us, to help us in the midst of that fear and uncertainty to be the people that he's called us to be. And then finally, deepen your relationship with God. That's the last thing that Paul says in this Thanksgiving. That, that God has called, us, called them into fellowship. And if we look in the New Testament, we see that we are called into fellowship with each other and with God all the way through. Look at the book of Acts over and over. We see these early Christians in community. And so we need each other. And so part of what we do is to deepen our relationship through our time together like this. And we deepen our relationship with God through times where we're spent just with God. Now, as I think about that, it seems to me that this season, this preparation season, this waiting season of Advent is the perfect time to begin doing something actively to deepen your relationship with God. Now, sometimes we think, well, January 1st, first of the year, that's the New Year's resolution time. But, but I would say to you, this time, this is a perfect time for preparing your heart and your mind to experience the birth of Jesus and also to prepare yourself to wait. You know, there are all kinds of books, online devotions, Advent devotions that can guide you through this. And I encourage you to just pick one of them up, especially one that is based on the words of Scripture and allow that to begin to help you grow in this time of waiting and deepen that fellowship that God has called you into through Jesus. But here's what I know. Part of life, 
fact, all of our lives, is really a time of waiting. There is always something else out there. We're preparing for something else. But God works in our waiting. And we've got a decision to make. Am I going to respond to God's work or am I just going to sort of ignore it and live my life the way I want to do it? God's calling you to him. And there are important things to do in this time of waiting. And he's asking you to do them. Let's pray together. Guys, we enter this Advent season as a church. Think about the next four Sundays and then celebrating the birth of Christ on Christmas Eve. God, we pray that you will be in us, not just in us as individuals, but in us as the church, that you will fill us with your spirit and help us to be your people as a community in this community, calling people to you. God, we pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and continue to worship.